thankful that I have got to hear him several times preach. He is a, an outstanding preacher. We're going to be blessed today by the Word of God, outstanding spirit. Amen. And so we're just thankful, hallelujah, that he's here. I guess I, I, I didn't think about it, but I try to level it all out. I got Brother Copeland here. He's kind of on the shorter end. And I got Brother uh, Randy Williams. He's on the thicker end. Hallelujah. Uh, and then, then we bring Brother Wesley, praise God. And he's more on the tall end. Amen. So we just keep it all balanced today. But they're all great men of God. We're going to be blessed today. Blessed. Brother Jackson, come today. Preach the word of God. So thank you for your with us. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Why don't we clap our hands one more time to the King of Kings? Come on, why don't you close your eyes and lift your voice? He's such a wonderful God. Hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated for just a moment. I want to say uh, how indeed honored I am to be here with you wonderful people and the great pastor and first lady and first family of this assembly. And uh, it's uh, just a treat. And uh, Brother Randy Williams, I guess, made contact with me first and told me about the situation and then made contact with your pastor, Pastor Williams. And uh, I would just tell you from the get-go, I'm a very poor substitute or who should be filling this pulpit today. And so you are missing out by Brother Joel Buxton not being able to be here. Tremendous Bible teacher and preacher. And uh, sorry you got stuck with me. The good news is, uh, though I wasn't here, I know the caliber of preacher that my friend is. And so I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that last night you were tremendously blessed by the anointed preaching of Pastor Randy Williams. And then the rest of the good news is, is following me tonight. There is one whose shoes I'm not even worthy to unlatch. A tremendous preacher of the gospel, done a tremendous work in his community where he's at, a visionary, a revivalist. And uh, you're going to be blessed by Brother Mark Copeland. And so I'm just, uh, really, I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm just happy to be here. Amen. So uh, just excited about what God's doing. Tell you what I appreciate. Uh, appreciate two things. First and foremost, I appreciate what I feel in this house today. And, uh, yeah, that would be a good place for you to clap because it's just, let me tell you about what we're feeling here today. Day, what we're feeling here today is the answer that our world is looking for. And uh, just speaking to this church for just a moment, do not ever take for granted what you're feeling here today. Too much of our movement is trying to replace the Spirit of God and the anointing of God with the intellect and the wisdom of man. The problem with that is intellect can only appeal to the mind, but it takes the Spirit of God and the anointing of God to speak to the soul. Do not ever lose what we're feeling here in this house today. And secondly, what I so appreciate is the vision that your pastor casts. And uh, I liked what he said about just a few years coming back here and a new building on a Friday morning being filled with people. Don't ever lose that vision. I'm going to tell you it can still happen. The devil is still a liar. Revival is still being poured out. And so I just, man, I'm, I'm happy to just be here and be connected. If you have your Bibles, I would like to invite you to turn with me. Prophecies of Joel, the second chapter. Uh, and I was asked about coming uh, immediately. I begin to just feel this in my spirit. And I apologize to your pastor. I want to apologize to you 
Uh, it is not my habit or custom, nor do I like it, to just slip in and slip out. But due to circumstances beyond my control, I've had to do that. And you forgive me. The prophecies of Joel, the second chapter. I want to begin reading in the 12th verse. When you have it, say amen. Therefore also now saith the Lord of hosts, Turn ye even to me. Everybody shout with your heart. With your heart. Turn to me with your heart. He went on in verse 13 to say, Rend your or give your heart and not your garments. I don't want your things. I want you and your time. Rend your hearts, not your garments. Turn unto the Lord your God. The prophet said this is why. Because he's gracious, merciful, slow to anger, great kindness. And it repenteth him of the evil. He went on to ask some questions. And then in verse 15 he said, Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sanctify fast. Call a solemn assembly. He said, Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children and those who suck breast. He didn't leave anybody out. But the bridegroom go forth out of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. And then he said this, Let the priest... Let the priest, that would be those who are uh, somewhat in charge, that would be the pastors, the evangelists, the teachers, the ministry. He said, let the priest, and then he uses this word ministers, which simply means servants of the Lord. So he said, let the preachers, let the pulpit, and let the weep between the porch and the altar and let them say spare thy people O Lord and give not thine heritage to reproach that the heathen may rule over them wherefore should they say among the people where is their God and then he transitions he gave us some things to do and then he made it very clear that if we would do that which God was asking of us then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people yea the Lord will answer and say unto his people you want a harvest behold I will send you corn you want anointing and Holy Ghost Behold, I will send you wine and oil that ye shall be satisfied therewith. He said, I will no more make you a reproach among the heathen. You won't be backwoods on the backside of the track kind of people. But you'll have the biggest buildings, the most blessed and prosperous people. He went on to say in verse number 21, Fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. And then the writer just couldn't get away from this harvest. Verse number 24, he said, And the floors, they won't just have a little bit of wheat on them. It won't just be people ever once in a while coming in and baptism once or twice a month and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on two or three people a year he said but the floors shall be full of wheat and the vats, everybody shout that's me see you're a vessel you are a vat and in you is a is a heavenly treasure he said when you do these things uh, there's going to be two things that happen the house is going to be full uh, and you as an individual is going to overflow with wine and oil. Verse number 26. And ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. Very quickly. 
I'm not going to turn there. You could quote it with me more than likely. But Paul writing in the book of 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter, he goes through all these things about how it, there's order. Everybody shout order. If there's tongues, if there's interpretation, if there's prophesying, if there's ministry, and, and he gives us an order, helping us to be reminded that God is not the author of confusion, and things that he does are not chaotic, but they are fitly framed together. And then he gets to the last verse, the 40th verse of that chapter, and he, 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 he's, he just covered it all. He said, and let all things be done decently and in or and with order. And I feel just a mandate in my spirit today to talk to you wonderful people about God's order for the harvest. God's order for the harvest. Would you lift your hands and lift your voice and ask God to touch us, ask God to help us, God, we need your strength. We need your touch today. God, I am very feeble in my attempts to minister to such great people. Move me out of the way. Hide me behind the cross. Make yourself known in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody shout in Jesus' name. God bless you. Today, when we begin to read the writings of the great apostle Paul and he begins to talk to us and he begins to minister to us through the letters that he wrote to the people that he was pastoring and dealing with and trying to help grow. He began to speak reminders and he began to make sure that it was clear to us that God is a God of order. God is not a God that does things by chance. He's not, uh, uh, he, he's not like me. He doesn't fly by the seat of his britches. He doesn't wake up in a new world every day. But he is a God that stands at the end and looks back to the beginning with a perfect plan in place and with an order to help bring about the things which he desires to do in our lives. Uh, he, he, he implied and imparted this principle in the very book of beginnings. And I have to be real careful here not to spend too much time because I love going through the story of creation in Genesis the first chapter and watch as God does not simply just do things but he establishes orders that are without in. We read in the very first chapter, in the very first verse of that book of beginnings, how that the earth was void and without form in, in its original state being void of God that's when there was chaos that's when there was confusion that's when it didn't look like there was a plan to make anything good come from that which God had to work with uh, let me just stop and inject this when you go to a place whether it be a church or a conference or a meeting or uh, uh, anything of that nature and and it's it's supposed to be uh, a, a, a point to feel God and glean from God and learn more about the ways of God. If there is confusion there and if there is chaos there and if everybody's tripping over each other and if, if it doesn't appear that there's any structure or any order, your spiritual antenna needs to go up because it is not of God. God is not the author of confusion. Uh, when you see things in chaos, when you see things in turmoil with you see things that look like there is absolutely no way of having any hope. It's because that situation is void of God. See, when you've got God, you can be troubled on every side, but you're not thrown into chaos. You're not in despair. You can be pressed. You can be being pulled, but you have an assurance and peace that passeth understanding. That's why, that's why when we come to church, that, that's why we have structure. We're not trying to program God out of anything, but 
God works in order. It's, it's not in order for just everybody to just stand when they feel like standing and speak a word out. And that, no, 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 no. That's why you have a pastor. And that's why God anoints people to do things. Don't, don't you ever forget that God moves through order. God does not move through chaos. God moves on chaos. God does not move through chaos. God moves through order. There was chaos. There was confusion. And, and, and this is what happens. God begins to establish some principles showing us he is a God of order. His spirit began to move and his word began to go forth. Let me tell you that just as it happened on that first day in creation, so is it still happening in 2015. When you get the spirit of God mixed with the word of God, God can take something that is empty, something that is without hope, something in which everybody else is discarded as nothing good can come from it uh, but you get the Holy Ghost moving uh, and you get a pastor preaching and teaching uh, and God can step back and declare it is good I've got to hurry today but I'm just talking to you about God has orders he moved on to that second day and he established an order through which he moves through and this this is an order that much of Pentecost and all of the religious world has tried to minimize and dumb down and even do away with but the Bible says that God began to draw lines of demarcation and he began to institute separation. Uh, on that second day, uh, God began to separate and he established an order that I will not ever decorate uh, until I'm first allowed to separate. Uh, God did not begin to add the beautiful things in creation uh, until first creation come into submission to his spirit and his word and allowed it to be separated. Uh, don't ever minimize the Bible teaching and preaching uh, of separation. Uh, when your pastor's drawing lines that maybe you can't see or understand, when he's establishing what you think is just another rule and just another regulation, uh, what you need to understand uh, is he's trying to position you in a place to be decorated. Uh, and if you allow yourself to be separated, uh, God will add to you abundantly. God separates, he divides, he draws lines. It's a New Testament principle. He said, come out from among them. It, it's just his order, it, you, and that's how he moves, and that's what he requires. Come out, be ye separate. Don't touch unclean things. You've, you've got to stay away from it. You've got to distance yourself from it. And if you do that, then I will receive you. I, see, we've got it backwards. Uh, we, 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 we have come to a day and age where we're worried about receiving God. You have not the ability to receive God. Uh, it's not about receive, you receiving God. God don't need received. Uh, God doesn't need anything you have. Uh, he desires some things you have, uh, but he's completed it of himself. Uh, but if we want God to receive us, we've got to remember that the order to God receiving me uh, is I let him draw some lines of separation we don't dress this way just because Pentecostals have always dressed this way we, 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 we don't abstain from jewelry and, 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 and we don't abstain from women wearing that which pertaineth to a man and men wearing things that pertaineth to a woman we, we don't do that just to be different see it's people that never get this revelation that they struggle with separation because they think it's about them. It's not about you. It's about God. It's not about people looking at you and saying they're different. It's about God receiving you. And because he receives you, God always blesses what he receives. Uh, and not the message in tithe. Uh, when you give it to me and my man receives it, uh, then I bless you. Because I've received something from you. Be seated. And so 
he, he begins to establish this. These things, I, 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 like, I like the orders of creation. And, and, and see, I told you I get way sidetracked when I go to Genesis chapter number 1. But I, I love seeing how that God never creates something that will have problems without first creating the solutions to those problems. God does not create birds of the air and then worried, where in the world are they going to rest at? He doesn't put beasts in the middle of the earth and then, oh, they need something to eat. Let me come along and plant some grass. No. See, before he create the bird that would need the tree and the beast that would need the grass and the fish that would need the sea, he first created the solution and that which was needed to sustain them. He began to speak trees and he began to speak grasses and herbs and that, that ought to inspire you today because there's nothing you're going through that the answer is not already provided. Let me just Reminds you, Paul spoke to the Ephesian church, uh, and he said, There hath no temptation taking you, uh, but such as is common with man. Uh, but God is faithful and with, uh, not somewhere along the way, uh, not after you've wept and cried and pulled your hair out, but with the temptation uh, hath he already made a way to escape. Whatever you're going through today, the answer was created before the problem was presented. Then I guess one of the most favorite things about the order of creation is when I tell time, when I talk to you about my day, I get up in the morning and I go to bed in the evening. Therefore, my day starts in the a.m. and concludes in the p.m. But what I love about God's order is six times in the book of Genesis, the first chapter alone, he said, and the evening and then the morning was the end of the first day. The evening and then the morning was the end of the second day. The evening and then the morning, third and fourth and fifth and sixth day, and finally God rested on the seventh day. Say, well, Brother Jackson, why would somebody be so excited about that? I will tell you why. Because when you're in the darkest nights and the deepest trials of your life, uh, that is not the end of things in God's order. Uh, that is just the beginning beginning of things uh, for God's order. Uh, that's why the psalmist could say, weeping endureth for the night, but according to God's order, uh, it doesn't end here. Uh, weeping endureth for the night, but joy uh, comes. Uh, I don't care how dark it is in your life today. Uh, I don't care what kind of deep dark trial you're going through. Uh, it's not the end. Uh, there's a sunshine that has to come. It's just order. It's just, it's just order. We, we, we see God's order in finances. We see God's order in the tabernacle. And, and, and boy, couldn't we get a lesson from God's order. Uh, if we're not careful, we, we become guilty of just putting people in places because they're talented and because we think they're qualified. But just thinking about the tabernacle yesterday, there was not one piece of furniture that could be put into that tabernacle until that had been consecrated and dedicated to the Lord. You want to be a Sunday school teacher? You want to be a musician? You want to be a song leader? It's not about how pretty you can sing or how well you can teach. It's about how faithful are you? How consecrated does the way your life reveal? How dedicated are you to the ways of God, the things of God, the man of God? God, he, 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 he just he has an order. And, 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 and so it is with having a harvest. God has in order. And you know what? We can really want something and desire something 
Speak it by faith. Call things that are not as though they were. And that all has its place. But in, in order to see the things which we are having faith for come to pass, there are steps that must be followed. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of work involved to seeing the kingdom of God furthered and grow. It, 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 it's not all pretty, and it's, it, it, it's not all positions of influence. It's a lot of just rolling up your sleeves and doing the things nobody else wants to do. I remember murmuring and complaining one time about some things to my pastor. And uh, I thought I was going to get some sympathy. Yeah, wrong. He just looked at me. Brother Copeland, he said, well, son, if it's easy, everybody would do it. If having revival was something that was easy for our flesh to do, every church would be filled to capacity. If what it took to have a great harvest was pleasing to our feelings... Because we, I mean, you, you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody today that said, no, I don't believe I want revival. You know, no, we're, we're happy with our, our, our few that we have. and mm, They won't say that. Their actions scream that. But they don't say that. See, you, you can desire something. And you can believe it to happen. I'll go a step further, and I'm going to give you Bible for this. It can be a promise right from God. And yet, until you apply the order. So I'm not sure about that, Brother Jackson. Well, all you need to do is just take a journey with me to the Gospel of Mark, the ninth chapter. We have disciples... Of Jesus. Men who are studying at the feet of the Word made flesh. Just a few chapters previous, Jesus had sent these men out and said, I'm giving you power. Now, it, it wasn't a hearsay promise. It wasn't something given to them by somebody else through this other method that maybe he did say it. He looked at them and spoke. You're going to cast out devils. You're going to tread on serpents. You're going to lay hands and see the sick recovered. In other words, you're going to have revival. That's what revival is. Revival is not having an evangelist out here with a Ford diesel truck and a 40-foot travel trailer. And let me tell you, you can get whoever you want to get, but there's no such thing as bringing revival and harvest in a suitcase. What makes the evangelist powerful is God empowers him to stir you. I, I, I grow weary with people thinking that you have to have an evangelist. And I'm not trying to preach an evangelist out of a job. But you don't have to have an evangelist to have revival. And when God sends you an evangelist and he stirs you and he moves you and you get in that order and God starts blessing you, when it's time for him to go stir the next assembly, revival does not have to end in your assembly. Uh, it wasn't the evangelist that brought revival. It was the evangelist that preached you back into God's order in how to have revival. Now, Brother Howard, don't get upset at me. I preached just like this when I was traveling. And it kept me with plenty of places to preach. Because when you stir people. So here these men are. Jesus has separated himself for a few days. You know, sometimes the Lord will go silent just to see if you've been listening to what he's been saying. Mm -hmm. He steps away. 
And all of a sudden, the man comes to his disciples. And he said, we know about your anointing. We know what Jesus has promised and prophetically foretold concerning you. He said, and here I have my son. Nothing else has been able to help him. And he said, I want you to, I want you to help me with this situation. Now, Jesus comes back and he sees this commotion and the scribes and they're questioning his disciples. And he comes up and he asks a question, what, what, what's going on? You know, what, 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 you know, what's the deal here? And this man looks at Jesus and he said, my boy, I brought him to your disciples. And it was not that they didn't want to help him. He didn't have the attitude of, they wouldn't even let me in the back door, and I, I didn't have a nice enough car, and I wouldn't wear nice enough clothes, and I didn't have enough money. It was not that they didn't want to help me. He said they could not help me. Now, I know these disciples tried, because three verses of scriptures later, they come to Jesus and asked him privately, said, all this egg on our face, it's because we did something you told us we could do. But when we done that which you told us we could do, we couldn't do it. So we want to know what's going on. You know, like, like it's your fault, Jesus. We wanted to do it. We had faith that we could do it. Boy, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. We tried to do it. But when we tried to do that which we wanted to do, which you told us we could do, which we had faith to step out and try to do, I mean, Lord, uh, you told us go get some buses, uh, get some people to get CDL license, uh, and now we can't get any children or adults to get on those buses. Uh, you told us have revival, and we can't even get any visitors to come. Uh, you told us you would heal. We told the lady in Walmart, come to my church and she left as sick as she come. What? There's something. You, I, I, I just, I ain't, I'll go do something different. I mean, if it's all these empty promises, you know what Jesus does, don't you? He says, well, it, it's not about the promise and it's not about me. It's just you're trying to have something without the order. Because this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. It ain't that the buses can't be filled up. It's just you got to pray and fast until you're sensitive enough to knock on the right door. It's not that the sick can't be healed. It's just we've got to submit and commit ourselves to prayer and fasting uh, until we have the authority to do that which we've been promised we could do. There's nothing wrong with God. Uh, there's nothing empty about the promise. Uh, but there is an order. You, you, you can be seated for just a moment. It, it, it was nothing new. See, there's, there, there's even an order to the order. These men's minds begin to remember just a few days ago we was at church with Jesus. You know, Christianity hasn't evolved into something that it's never been. These men remembered walking into church with Jesus. Jesus. 
and looking around at all the programs and how they had made church a place of convenience rather than sacrifice. You didn't have to bring a dove. We'll do all that for you. You just show up and... You didn't no longer have to lead an oxen to the altar. You just, oh, I know you work so many hours and you, you've got jobs and you have to have family time and you have to have me time. So if you can just squeeze in a little bit of time on Sunday, we'll, we'll, we'll try to have it convenient enough to where you can still get through most of what... Can I tell you that God, God does not honor you for somebody else's sacrifice. God can only honor you for your sacrifice. God can't bless your finances because I pay my tithe. God can only bless your finances if you pay your tithe. Well, this is about the harvest, but I keep getting hung up on that money deal. Say, well, it's all about the money. Money, 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 money. No, it's not about the money. It's about your blessings. God doesn't need your money to pay these lights. Man, he let us go do something we like doing. We can just go fishing. Catch a fish and have a check in its mouth to give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. But then instead of blessing you, God's got to bless the fish. I mean, I, 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 I've heard, and, and this, this could get me in trouble, and you ministers forgive me for this in advance, and you, you do it how you want to. But I, I get sick of going to places and, and hearing preachers say, God could send somebody by here to pay all this off. Why in the world would I want God to... If, if nobody's willing in the church, then by all means God sends somebody by. But why in the world, instead of you having faith, God can send an Egyptian to do it, why can't you have the faith to start your own business and you become the business owner that writes a check out of the business account? It's order. Let me tell you what these men watch Jesus do. I'm not against programs. I think we need to be the best we can be. We need to be cutting edge. Stupidity is not a sign of spirituality. Stupidity is a sign of stupidity. My daddy used to tell me something I'm learning, how so right he was more every day, and that's you just can't fix stupid sometimes. Being unlearned in ignorance is, is not to be worn as a badge of. And God can use anybody. He used Amos, just a picker of sycamore fruit. But he also used Isaiah. <laughs> A man that could stand in the king's palace. So you just decide where you want to minister. By how much effort you put forth to be learned. If you're happy picking sycamore fruit, well, there's got to be some sycamore fruit pickers. Help us, Jesus. But, but these men, they had watched Jesus walk in that day. And he started kicking out all their programs. Turning over all their tables. And then he makes a very strong accusation. And I don't even know how long I've been up here. I've got to hurry. No. <laughs> I'm hungry. I'm getting hungry. We get to eat after this? Man. I wouldn't say I'm working hard, but you are making it pretty easy. He, 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 he makes a very strong accusation of the Williams. He said, you, you've turned this into a den of thieves. 
my house is to be called just just some order the house of prayer i was thinking about that one day and uh are there any used car salesmen here x that this is god bless your business this is not a shot at you. I'm just wanting to make a point. This is going to help you out. I got to thinking about that one day, and, and here he is. We know that they had, they had messed with the scales, and they weren't being, they, they weren't being just. They were being unjust. But everybody knew that. Everybody knew that when they come to church and bought their pigeon that they were having to pay too much for it. But it didn't bother them because they were more interested in convenience rather than sacrifice. So when Jesus comes in and kicks a bunch of stuff over and starts striking them on their backs and calls them thieves and robbers, now that's a strong accusation. I got to thinking, if they knew what they were going on, now I'm this country, I'm... I'm I'm one of the Amoses picking sycamore fruit, and these are the Isaiahs, so I just think country. But I thought, you know what, it's kind of like buying a used car. Go to the lot, and he's got this pretty rust color 1982 Corolla. It burns more oil than it does gas. It's got Maypop tires on it. That's them that may pop at any time. And it's worth $300. But he talks me into putting 400 down and paying 100 a month for four years. When it breaks down in 30 days, I would be unfair in calling him a cheat. And a liar. Because I knew what I was getting into before I got into it. I could see the condition of the car. I could hear it rattle rather than purr. I, I could run my hands over the tires and jerk back because the... Mm -hmm. But if I was still dumb enough to do it, or sometimes just desperate enough to do it. Well, then when something happens, I can't come blame you. You was just providing convenience. I, sh I should have took care of my obligations that I defaulted on in the past. This is good stuff. It goes contrary to what we want to hear, but this is good stuff. Don't blame him you had to go buy from him. He did not pay for the last one you bought. Anyways. So, if these people knew what they were getting, how can Jesus dare call the men they're getting it from? I was praying about that one day. And I'm going to tell you just as this is clear, it come to me, and it's it's been revelatory to me, and I'm not making it a doctrine, I'm just giving you the Bible. But long before that temple had ever been erected, there was some order. He said, It's so powerful here, you even go tell the stranger. If they come in the west, they're going to leave so changed they've got to go out the east. And if they come in the north, they have to go out the south. Because there's no way to visit this house and leave unchanged. And yet here they are in the midst of Roman rule. And the strangers are coming in because they've heard. That little church down there 
If you finally get down to your wits end, you go down there and God can fix things where nowhere else it can be fixed. And so they advertise with church cards, you want a healing, come here and be healed. You want to avoid the divorce courts, come here and God will put your marriage back together. And so they would come based on what they had heard. And yet when they got there, they come with their marriage on the rocks. And they left with their marriage on the rocks. They come addicted to methamphetamines. And they barely got out of the parking lot and had to fire up another crack pipe. They come an alcoholic wasting away down to nothing. And they had been told, you know, down, down there at their church, it, 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 it's so radical. You may walk in an alcoholic, but you'll leave and never want to sip again. And they had enough faith to come, staggered in, was looked at funny. People wouldn't hardly shake their hand because of the smell of Jim Beam on their breath. And they walked out. And was so miserable they had to reach behind the seat before they pulled out of the parking lot and get a pint. It wasn't because God had been diminished. Uh, it's because they had stepped out of the order. Uh, they had tried to replace power with programs. Uh, they had tried to replace prayer meetings uh, with orators. Uh, they had tried to replace fast days uh, with more meetings throughout the week. Uh, but Jesus walks in uh, and he said there's an order to revival. Uh, get out the programs. Uh, you got to have a prayer meeting. You gotta have a fast day. Oh, I'm hurrying, but it this wasn't a new message Jesus was preaching. Solomon, when he built the first church, he gets it completed. Solomon in his wisdom. Be seated. I'm, I'm hurrying, but I just kind of feel like taking my time now. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is trying to help this church. Solomon knew that in spite of the beauty of the building, I've still got people. <laughs> and Solomon gets to leaning beside one of them pillars they've seen the glory of God come in such a way that the priest couldn't preach and the ministers of music couldn't play. And they've offered 20-something thousand oxen and 100-something thousand sheep. And it's all winding down and he's sitting beside a pillar. I can just see it in my mind's eyes. And he gets to looking at all them people. And he starts praying a prayer. He said, God, I know I've got people that are going to do things that would cause you to shut up the heavens where there could be no rain. Where there's no rain, there's no harvest. I know there's things, Lord, we can do as a kingdom that would cause you to send the canker worm. And it would cause you to send pestilence. And we would work and work and work. And the wheat would just get ready for harvesting. And the corn just ready to pick. And something would come through and rob us from receiving the fruits of our labor. I'm giving you the James Wesley translation, but you go read it in the King James. Second Chronicles chapters number 5, 6, and 7. He said, surely there's something we can do. And in 2 Chronicles, the 7th chapter, And the Lord appeared unto Solomon by night, and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer, and have chosen this place. I've chosen this place 
to myself for a house of sacrifice. If I shut up the heavens and there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or I send pestilence among my people, I would just about imagine most of you here could get your way through this next verse. If my people, anybody know what it says? Which are called by my name shall humble themselves and mm -hmm. turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven. Now, how many of you could just, you know, if you was really put on the spot, you could get about most of that? See your hand. Uh, Y'all are being way too timid. I know you could. You, you, you was quoting it as I was reading it. I want to ask you something I've asked a lot of other churches. How many of you could quote that next verse? We've been way too far removed from the order in Pentecost. Because he did not stop with just you praying. He said, it matters to me where you pray. Can I put a scripture on the screen? Is that possible? If not, you just trust me to read it. Second Chronicles chapter number 7, verse number 16. For now... Come here, Brother Randy Williams. Verse number 15. Read that so they don't think I'm up here saying it. Now mine eyes shall be open and my ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. In what place? In this place. For is it not written that my house shall be called? You know what he went on to say just so that we couldn't question it like some of you are sitting there doing as you're trying to justify away because it's inconvenient to come by here. It's a lot more convenient to pray on your way to work with your latte and your soft music playing. I mean, do you know how much extra gas money that cost us to come, come by there? You know what he went on to say? This covenant is perpetual, which means without end. Anywhere that I put my name, my eyes will be open and my ears listening to the prayer that is made in that house. Because is it not written? Not your house. My house. You know, I've done a lot of studying and I would challenge you you, you, you go home if you want to continue to kick against it and you start in Genesis and you go through Revelation and you show me one place. We, 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 we pray in our home. Our children tell Jesus good night. We do some studying. But nowhere in that Bible is there ever given instruction for anybody to ever build an altar in their house. I know it's a journey, but if you want to meet with me, you better figure out how to get down to Shiloh. Oh, yeah. The king can move it and make it more convenient, but that don't mean I'm going to bless it. It's just going to get him and you in trouble. We could go back to the exodus from Egypt. You don't think God was big enough to put manna right down beside their bed? All they had to do is crawl out 
in the morning and they could get that which was needed to sustain them without ever walking out their door. But they had to leave their house and their element. And they had to step into his element if they wanted that which was needed to sustain what they were trying to receive. As they come to the keyboard, the prophet Joel was dealing with much of what Pentecost is in the state of today. Pastor, the people were blessed. They, they were doing, you go study it, when it comes to just financially and prosperity, and they were doing as good as they had ever done in their history. But they were still in captivity. Man, they had, they had the money to just put it out there. But they still were not free from things that were holding them back from being the absolute people of God. And so they begin to seek God's face. And they said, what can we do? Because we've got more money than we've ever had. But we're also buying more prescriptions to alter our mind and alter our mood than we ever thought we'd need to. We're driving nicer cars, but we're having more counseling sessions because our world's coming. God says, Joel, I'll tell you what they need to do. Call a gathering. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not time to cut out church if you want the harvest. It's time to have more church. It's not the time for cell groups in your house. It's time to get everybody back to my house. You want me to work? Get everybody together. Now, they're not going to like this, Joe, because they've, they've grown accustomed to cotton candy. Lots of fluff, and they need somebody to energize them every Sunday night. Preach something motivational to them. And they're not going to like this, but you tell them. If they keep on doing what they've been doing, they're going to keep on staying right where they've been staying. He said, it, it, it's time they quit coming to be hyped up. You get them together and you call a solemn assembly. People that are not interested in how high they can jump, but people rather who are interested in how deep they can go. <laughs> he said, now to do this, See, in Mark chapter 9 and the books of Matthew and Luke, when he walked into the temple, he wasn't preaching something new. In the prophecies of Joel, he said, they're going to have to fast. Call a fast. I didn't write the book. And I'm not telling you you have to do this. I'm just preaching to you God's order for the harvest. He said, I know that someone's going to buck against you and say, you mean you want us up there every day? Why don't I just put another hundred in the offering on Sunday and you just let me get a pass? Let the poor people go down there and pray and let those like me who don't have time, let they, they got time. They don't have all these irons in the fire and all these business deals going. So you let them pray and you let us pay. I'm telling you, I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. He said, you tell them 
I don't need their things. What they're giving to me, I gave to them. He said, what I want is their heart, their time. And then he said this, for those of you who want to do it another way. He said, get the preacher, get the pulpit, and get the pew. And let them weep between the porch. Somebody point to the porch in this building. Uh-huh. It's not a trick question. Why don't everybody just point to the porch? Why don't somebody point to the altar? He said, if you want harvest, he said, you get the preacher and you get the people between the porch and the altar. Get them weeping. Get them praying. Get them talking in tongues. Get them asking me to spare the people, to bring the backslider home, to give them somebody that wants a Bible study. He said, and I'll get jealous for my people. You want a harvest? I'll give you more corn than you've got barns to have. I'll give you an abundance of wheat. I'll give you wine and I'll give you oil. But it's not just going to come because they want it to come. I've got an order. I need some people praying at the church. I need some people fasting a few meals if they want a revival. I feel the Holy Ghost stirring us today. I know we're not running the backs of pews and rolling on the floor and foaming at the mouth. But I feel like God sent me to stir up the weepers. Because if you can make some commitments to prayer, starting right now, if you can pray until you're weeping, until you're crying, until you're praying in the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you, danger field, it doesn't matter the size of your community. God will draw people from all over uh, you won't be able to build big enough barns uh, mom uh, I know your children look far gone uh, but if you'd get consistent and call in their name uh, from this house uh, God uh, God uh, God will heal the land come on it's time for a prayer meeting <laughs> Come on, where are the weepers? Where are the travailers? Where are the weepers? Where are the travailers? Where are the people interested in God's order for the harvest? not the people that just respond because they're supposed to respond not those that are just trying to get through their little five minute altar service uh, so that we can be dismissed and go our merry way uh, but we're those so desperate for the harvest uh, so desperate for revival uh, that they say I've been shown the order uh, now I'm going to walk in the order uh, I've been shown the way. Now I'm going to walk therein.
Come on, why don't you pray that God would anoint you to weep and cry? Why don't you pray that God would give unto you the ministry of tears? I'm telling you, God's looking, God's listening to prayer that is made in this place.